his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. You know, this, this psalm, of course, was written according to commentators, and, and uh, the heading in this psalm was written the time when David, remember when David was fleeing from Saul, early on, and he fled to, to, uh, to Gath, the land of the Philistines, to Achish, and, and, and they said, you know, is not this David, of whom they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And, and David was afraid, because they identified him for who he was. He's the one that killed a lot of the Philistines. And so he changed his behavior, and let his spittle run down on his beard and act like a madman. And Achish said, what do I have to do with him? Why bring him in here? And so he was able to depart. Uh, so uh, he was in a distressful time. But as we we'll notice this, this psalm tonight, when we we'll notice the instruction and the challenge that the, that's the, the psalmist gives to us uh, from that experience. First of all, he encourages us to praise the Lord for his goodness at all times. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice, the praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, so David is saying, you know, we, we ought to offer praise to God continually. At all times. You know, the, and Hebrews does say, let's offer a sacrifice of praise. You know, sacrifice is something that costs you something. It's not always going to be easy to praise the Lord. But if we have a complete trust in Him, we can praise Him at all times. Um, I don't know if there's any human beings that praised him, even in the Bible, that praised him at all times. But that's what we ought to do because God is worthy of our praise. And as we see here in this psalm, you know, there, I think it's three times 
He talks about how the Lord delivers us out of all of our troubles. Uh, in verse 6, this poor man cried, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Uh, verse 9, O oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And, and then again in verse 17, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Verse 19, many of the afflictions of the righteous, it's not that we're without afflictions, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. So God is, our God is God that can deliver us out of all of our afflictions, out of all of our troubles, not that we never enter afflictions, because he says we are, we do have afflictions, many. We live in a sin-cursed world, so there's always afflictions in this world. But he said the Lord will deliver us out of them all. So we do have reason then to praise the Lord continually. We ought to praise him. And I want you to notice uh, several things here he says about this in verses 1 through 6. He says, I will bless the Lord. The word bless means to praise with a reverential mind, showing honor and respect. And of course, if we have reverence or respect for the Lord you, or for someone, you always speak well of them. You will honor them with your speech. And, and so, as we think about this, our praise should not be contingent upon our circumstances. They ought not to affect who the Lord is. Our circumstances really don't affect who the Lord is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our circumstances may change, but he does not change. And so, we have reason then to bless the Lord, to praise him at all times. He, in verse 2, he says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. The word boast means to glory in. And we ought to glory in the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians one thirty one says that, he, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.17 But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. You know, a lot of people at Corinth were glorying in their gifts and their knowledge and you know, it's like they thought they had bragging rights uh, for themselves and what their abilities and all that. And, and Paul said, who maketh thee to differ from another? Who maketh thee to differ from another? If you have a gift, who gave it to you? So who maketh thee to differ? So if you're in a glory, you ought to glory in the Lord. And, and, you know, when we make our boast in the Lord for what he has done in our life, when we boast in him, it encourages others. Notice it says, the, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And the word humble here talks about the poor in spirit, those that are cast down. You know, they will have hope. If we make our boast in the Lord, what the Lord has done for us and not boast in ourselves, it gives others hope that they too can be helped. You know, when, when I read through the Bible and I... And I read how David was delivered from Abimelech in this case, or how Daniel was delivered from the lion's den, or how Moses was saved uh, by his mother putting him in an ark of the bulrushes on the river, and, 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 and through all his life how the Lord saved him from different circumstances. It encourages me that, hey, if God did it for them, and my Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, And furthermore, when I read about their lives, you know what I find? 
I find that they were human just like me. Some of them have the same struggles that I have. They weren't sinless. And yet God delivered them. I mean, a prime example is Saul of Tarsus. You see, it gives me hope when they glory in what God has done. If we glory in what the Lord has done, not what I have done, but what he has done, it gives hope to others. So we need to make our boast in the Lord, what the Lord has done for us, what he has saved you from. You might say, well, preacher, yeah, I grew up in church. I, I never got into a life of sin. Well, you know, maybe that is true. But, you know, I liken that. I read this one time, and this, this uh, evangelist had, he had a little paper he put out. <coughs> and I had known him since he was a late teenager. He was a pastor's son, and I went to his dad's church for a while. So I've known him, you know, for quite some time. You know, I didn't know him when he was a little boy, but he's always been a good kid. He was always a good kid. And he wrote in this article, he was writing this article in his paper about how the Lord saved him out of a wicked life of drugs and drinking and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. And so he gets go toward the end of the article. He says, he said, I'm just thankful the Lord saved me at a young age and I never experienced with drinking. I never experienced with drugs. I never did this. Not that he ever wouldn't have. But see, the Lord kept him from it. You know, the only difference between us and them is maybe we got saved earlier. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing. It's only of the God's mercies and his grace. So when you make our, you know, whatever the Lord saved us out of, we need to make our boast in the Lord that he did. So my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Third thing we see here is we are to magnify the Lord. Verse 3, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We're to magnify. The word magnify means to make much of, to value highly. Go to, for, for a minute here, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And... Uh, Verse 1, 2 Chronicles 20. <clears throat> and verse 1, this is in the life of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was king. It says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other besides the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. Behold, they be in Hezazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to read all this, but... Drop down to verse 20. It says, And they rose early in the morning, 
went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he pointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, uh, praise, the Lord set ambas- amb- ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come out of Judah, and they were smitten. And, and it, where it says here in verse 21, it says they were to praise the beauty of holiness. The phrase there means literally to shine the light on. Kind of to make a show of. You know, they were to magnify the Lord. They were to exalt him, make much of him. And, and by the way, they, they were doing this before the battle, not afterwards. They were doing it before the battle. You know, they're facing a great multitude. And so before the battle, they're magnifying the Lord. They're praising the Lord. And, and we ought to magnify or to make much of or to value highly our Lord. Paul said in Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. So he wanted... God or Christ to be made much of in his life, even if it cost him his life. And we know from the book of Acts that his life was constantly in danger for preaching the gospel. But he just wanted the Lord to be magnified in his life. You know, David... David magnifies the Lord or the deliverance of the Lord or the might and power of God by giving us this song about where he was and being rescued from where he was. So so we ought to praise the Lord for his goodness to us. We got to continually praise him. Secondly, David encourages us to seek him who is our help. Notice verses 4 through 6, and I want to notice several things here about this. First of all, in verse 4 he says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. So in his distress, in his time of, of difficulty, he sought the Lord. The word sought here means to implore, to beseech, literally to beg, to beg his aid. He, was, he begged God's aid. He besought the Lord. He's in, a, he's, he's in dire straits. He's at risk to losing his own life. Because they recognized who he was. They knew who he was. And you know, we need to seek him. We need to, we need to beseech him. We need to beg him. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But if, it, if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart, 
and with all thy soul. You know, it means to one of the definitions is to inquire. In 2 Kings 3.11, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? Now, in that instance, Jehoshaphat had joined affinity with the king of, I think it was the king of Edom and the king of Israel to go to battle against the enemy. And, and uh, they were without water. And, of course, king of Israel always had his prophets. And Jehoshaphat said, but isn't there a prophet of the Lord we can inquire of, that we can implore his aid, that we can beseech him, that we inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, with poured water and the hands of the life of Elijah. And so David said, I sought the Lord. I beseeched him. I begged him. The second thing he says here in verse 5, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. The word looked means to rest one's hope. In other words, they didn't look anywhere else but simply to the Lord. They were content to, to rest their hope in the Lord. They looked to him. David said, we looked to him. You know, we are to rest our hope, our confidence, and our expectation is in him. The children of Israel, when Moses made the brass servant, he said, if you look to the serpent, you shall be healed. You know, there were probably people who say, well, I don't know. Yeah, I could probably look at that thing, but, you know, I got to do this too. You know, it's sort of like people now. This is a look of confidence. It's an exclusive look. You know, but the song says, look to Jesus now and live. <clears throat> Not look to Mary and Jesus, or Jesus himself, or Jesus in works. No, it's look to Jesus. When it says, the Bible says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Words, you've got to rest in God alone. You've got to look to him, to him alone. Of course, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, being justified with faith, by faith, we have peace with God, again, through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through him alone. Peace can only be had through Christ. Uh, <clears throat> Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. He is our hope. In Psalm 33, in verse 16 and 17, the psalmist said, There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, and upon them that hope in his mercy. So we need a hope in the Lord. Put our hope. Rest our case in him. We look to him. He said, I look to him. They looked to him and were lightened. And their faces were not ashamed. That, that, that word there, ashamed, means they were not left to confusion. They were not confounded. No, they found what they were looking for. They rest in him. 
And then he said, and this poor man cried. He cried in verse 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The word cry means to cry after one, to call him as he goes away. Now, to illustrate this, go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. This isn't merely just to ask. It's, it's more than that. Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, Is not meat to take the children's bread and cast at the dogs? She said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now picture this, if you will. Yeah, this is a picture of one who, who their only hope is in the Lord. Complete dependence, they have faith in him, and they, they have no hope in anything else, and they are willing to do anything, even to be offended, belittled. Doesn't matter. They're not going to be turned away. Not turned away. You know, how would you feel if someone you went to snubbed you? Would you keep seeking his help? If you go to apply for a job and the person really isn't impressed, or give much intention, or take you seriously, what will you do? Well, I guess they don't care about me. I guess they don't want me to help there. I guess they don't want me. Hey, if you really want the job, whether you got humiliated or not, you're going to go after it. And that's what she did. She was humiliated. You know, he, he Notice what he says there. I'm not... I'm not sent, but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. You're an outcast. I'm sent to the house of Israel, and you're an outcast. You know what he was doing? He was testing her. Another example, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And that's what the word cry here means. It means to call him as he goes away. In other words, you're not going to give up. You're not going to let him get away. You're sort of like Jacob, 
who wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. You know, Jacob was wounded after that. It hurt him. It wounded him. Luke 18, verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but after he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard this woman, woman or this Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the just, unjust judge saith, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with him? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Jesus found that kind of faith in that Syrophoenician woman. She would not let him go. She cried after him. Even though he was going away from her, she cried after him. See, we need to really seek. Seek him who is our help. Then I want you to notice a third thing from this psalm. David gives us counsel as to how to approach a holy God. Notice verses 11 through 18. <clears throat> 11 through 18. I want you to notice several things here. He says, Come ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? And here's the first one. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. So do not speak evil or accuse him. Now go to James chapter 2 for a minute. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And I'm sorry, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, when we're tempted it means tried, you know, it talks about in verse 2, my brother encountered all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials or afflictions. Let no man say, verse 13, when I am tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man who is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, that every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Though the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, when we say don't speak evil or accuse God, that means we shouldn't question or blame God. The word 
when it says here, lay apart, verse 21, and in context, you know, we're talking about trials and temptations. We are to lay apart or to cast off, or cast away the idea of God's causing this, or this is God's fault. You know, in David's circumstances, he could have started to question or argue with or blame God. He could have said, why did Dad send me and my brothers anyway? I mean, I was content to feed sheep, take care of the sheep. Why didn't he just, why didn't, why didn't he just let me keep the sheep? Why did God anoint me king anyway? I mean, ever since I got anointed, I got into all this trouble. What? Why couldn't I just have been a normal kid? And when we, we blame God for our problems, it's like accusing God of bringing sin into our lives, and that's what James is talking about. That's what James is warning us about. We need to lay apart or cast off the idea it's God's fault. You know, he made me and he allowed this, therefore it's him. It's like saying, well, there's sin in the world, so God made it. No. But see, with David's problems came also privileges and opportunities. You know, with my problems that I've had in life came also privileges and opportunities. Without the privileges and opportunities, I wouldn't have had the problems. Uh, and I must confess to you, sometimes I said, why, Lord? Why'd you allow this? Or what are you trying to do? You know, You know, I've said to myself, why is it everywhere I go there's trouble? Now, there hasn't been trouble for, you know, it's been a peaceful time since I've been pastoring here, my most peaceful time in the ministry probably ever in my life. But, but it seems like everywhere I've gone, there's been trouble. But I did tell the Lord I'd go anywhere. I guess that was the problem right there, right? So it was my choice. It's sort of like resenting the opportunities and the privileges God gives us. You know, in, in Romans 9.20, you know, Paul said, you know, it's not right to question, why hast thou made me thus? Pharaoh could have said, why hast thou made me thus? Judas could have said, why hast thou made me thus? But remember... Pharaoh was raised up to glorify God. He could have glorified God by submitting to God. You know, I never thought of that before until till this afternoon. He could have glorified God by submitting to God. But instead he resisted God and said, Who is God? And God then overthrew him and judged him. See, when we run into afflictions, and we do, we'll all get into them. Afflictions will come. Persecution will come. That's what the Bible says about, the, about they that live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer a persecution. There's going to be problems, and, but we must not blame God. 
You know, God allows these things to perfect us. You know, Amy Carmichael was a missionary to India. And she was famous, became famous for rescuing, chil rescuing children from the temples where they were used and abused. And as a little girl, she wanted blue eyes. And so she asked God why he gave her brown eyes and asked him to give her blue eyes. What well, seemed to her, God never answered. But after she went to India, and she began to see these children disappearing into the temples, and she didn't know what was happening to them, and began to get concerned about that, and wondering what she, did, she could do, she decided one day that she was going to tan her face with coffee. So she painted her face with coffee. She's an English, white woman. So she painted her face with coffee to disguise herself so she could go into the temples and not be identified. And after she put, painted her face this, with the coffee, one of her co-workers said, Amy, it's a good thing you have brown eyes because blue eyes would give you away. And it brought to mind her asking God, why did you give me brown eyes? See, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And we ought not to ever question, we ought not to accuse him. But you know, we do. That's normal. If you ever question God, you're just normal. Job did. Jonah did. Think about what Jonah did. In fact, Jonah resisted God's will. said, I'm not going there. You know, why do you want to save the Ninevites? They deserve to go to hell. That's really what he said. So the counsel of David here is, don't speak evil or accuse the Lord if we're going to approach him. Secondly, we must put away evil. Notice verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So we're to put away. The word depart from means to turn away from or avoid. It reminds me of what the Lord said about Job in Job chapter 1 and verse 1 where it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And the word eschewed means he avoided it. He avoided it. And so we have to try to avoid evil like it's the plague. To stay away from it. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So as we think about turning away from evil or avoiding it, we ought not, the word regard means to look upon or think upon with a particular feeling. So, we're to, so the word regard here in this context, if I regard iniquity, has to, to look upon it, not actually necessarily partaking of it, but to look at it with respect or like I want to do it or feeling of affection for it. That's something that's evil. 
And the, Lord's, and the Bible says, if I regard that in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And of course, in many other places, the Bible talks about putting off and putting on. And so there needs to be a, if we're going to approach to God, to a holy and righteous God, uh, you know, as David said here, if, if we fear the Lord, if we're going to fear him, reverence him, for he is holy and reverent, this is how we're going to approach him. We have to put away evil. Second, or thirdly, we need to pursue peace with the Lord. Verse 14 again says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now, the words seek and pursue are basically the same definition, just one a little stronger than the other. So there's a double emphasis here. Which means we have to really go after it. We have to really go after it. You know, you and I are sinners by nature. And it's easier for us to go after things that are not right than things that are right. It's just human nature. I mean... If somebody cuts you off in traffic, do loving words automatically come out of your mouth? <laughs> if somebody offends you, do kind feelings automatically come forth from you? Like, I'll just turn the other cheek. I don't know about you. But it doesn't me. I have to work at it. See, I have to constantly pursue that. I have to pursue it. Because that's not my nature. It's not my nature. But that's God's nature. He's always going after that which is good. He's kind to the unjust and the just alike. He says, do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be like your Father which is in heaven. You know, my natural tendency is not to be to love them which persecute me or hate me. No, I have to pursue it. We have, and so we have to, again, we're talking about pursuing a, our approach or a fellowship with God and this is the way God is. He is, he was, he is all loving, he's all kindness, he is goodness, he is holiness, he is righteousness and so we have to seek these things. Otherwise we can't walk together with him. Can two walk together except they be agreed? That's what Amos 3.3 says. So it requires that we continue to allow the Lord to examine our attitudes, our actions, with God's righteous standards. Peter says we need to seek peace and ensue it. Again, meaning the same thing. You know, because you know, Peter's Peter's a good example. Because what was Peter's natural reaction when they came after Jesus in the garden? Took out his sword and cut off somebody's ear. Now, he wasn't trying to cut off an ear. He was trying to cut off a head. 
He just missed that. See, he was ready to take vengeance. And, of course, that was, that was often characteristics, uh, a characteristic of Peter. He was very quick to act. And, of course, we have to caution ourselves against that as well. But, and so we need to seek peace, pursue it. That's God's children. We need to be, blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew tells us. After all, you know, we have to put away that which is evil and put away uh, and, and, and seek peace with the Lord because, you know, God's for the righteous, but he's against the evildoers. Verse 16 says, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all the troubles. And in verse 15 uh, uh, says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, ears are open unto their cry. So the Lord's ears are always open to those that are putting away evil and pursuing peace with him. And then I want you to notice a fourth thing here. We must come to him in humility. In verse 18 it says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite heart. Now here again is one of those double emphasis things broken means to break down to destroy to be crushed and the word contrite means to be broken in spirit cast down really it's almost identical it's a little stronger word and he says the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite heart. Now, Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's what the word poor there means. Broken, cast down, crushed. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So really the idea here is you give up your will, trying to do it yourself, and let God take care. Let that let God take control of your will. You know, Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." So come to me, you that are working. Try and fix your situation to try and earn your way. That's what the most of the world is doing, trying to earn their favor with God. Yeah, that's what religion's all about. They're earning their favor with God. It's do, do, do. No. Come to me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meekly and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your sword. So take your own yoke off. Lay down your own will and take up mine. That's the idea. You see, David said, you know, I, have to, I had to come to the end of my... You know, David had no hope in himself. When he was with Achish, in fact, let's go over there. Um, 
for just a minute. It's in um, First Samuel chapter 21. First Samuel 21. <clears throat> You know, David, this is early in his fleeing from Saul. And verse 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, went to Achish, king of Gath. Now, it calls him Abimelech, but that's his title. It's like saying he's president. It's kind of the idea there, but it's referring to Achish. Uh, and the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another in, of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? By the way, those thousands were Philistines. And that's where he is. And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed behavior before him, them, feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David therefore departed thence and escaped, escaped, notice the word escaped, to the cave of Dullam. And when his brethren and his all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. So, you know, this is, you know, David, David, is he has no one to help him. He, ha, he, he don't know who his friends are or who his enemies are at this point, other than Jonathan. But he doesn't really know who he can trust. So he goes to a foreign country. But that's the same country that just not long ago he killed their giant, and he slew 200 Philistines and brought their foreskins to give to Saul for a dowry for Michael. And, it, and you know, of course, we read here how he slain ten thousands, is what they said about him. So you, they know who this is. What would you think they'd like to do with him? Yeah. String him up at the closest tree. That's why it says he was sore afraid he was sore afraid he was in a pickle as we'd say he was in great distress but he made his cry to the Lord he knew his hope you know he knew God had anointed him to be king God had called him to his service so if God is God, then God would get him out of his trouble. You know, we need to believe in God. We believe in God. He can get us. He will, as it says here three times in this past, three or four times, I can't remember how many I said now, I think there's four times. He will deliver us. You know, we have many other afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them, him, out of them all. Verse 21. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. 
You see, we need, we need to trust in the Lord our God. We need to approach him in a way that pleases him. But we ought to be continually praising him and magnifying him and seeking his help and glorying in what he is doing in our life. We have a great God. We need to acknowledge him as the God that he is and glorify him in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to look on your precious word tonight, to be encouraged and challenged. And Father, though we do go through times of hardship and afflictions, and yet help us to trust in you. Help us never to give up on you, knowing that you will not fail. Father, help us to seek your face. And allow you to work in our lives to bring glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.